Welcome to the Bible Feed podcast, a place for conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to the Bible Feed podcast. I'm Dan Weatherall and today we're going to start a series on something which is, well, something that I might approach with a bit of trepidation, maybe, and many people might. Uh, We're going to start thinking about the book of Revelation and I've got Paul Danport here and he's going to help lead us through it, Um, aren't you Paul? I'm, I'm going to give it a, a jolly good go. Thanks, thanks, Dan. Uh, it's uh, I think we're just about at our, uh, our anniversary. Um, yeah, that's right. So it seems like a good time to start the new series. Yeah, de- definitely. It, and it, do, do you know, it's been it's something I think that in lots of Christian circles, and possibly even in circles that haven't really had much affiliation with sort of Christianity, uh, but over the last few months, twelve months or so, it's it, aspects or things from the Book of Revelation have really been sort of brought to the to the for maybe not necessarily in uh, for the best reasons but maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself <laughs> um, we need to we need to get to that but you know people are I was I was looking around at um, Google searches that people do um, for for revelation and book of revelation and contents within it and things like that and you know there's a lot of people out there searching for things like the mark of the beast and or 666 or you know what do these things mean explaining those things um mm. There's some really curious things in the book, aren't there? Um, and lots of people scratching their heads and wanting to know what's going on. So, so I think yeah, there's, there's certainly there's some terms that have found their way into kind of regular usage and popular culture, like you know, apocalypse and yep. uh, Armageddon and things like that. But it's interesting that Mark of the Beast and that mm-hmm. should be kind of top of the list. Mm. Um, you know, maybe that's I know there's some connection I think people making between that and vaccinations. And yeah, yeah. So microchips and, and yeah, buying and selling and can't travel yeah. without it. And yeah. now the vaccine yeah. has come to the fore. So, so yeah, yeah. people are, people have always been thinking about that and trying to sort of interpret that. That's just one little example, isn't it, of mm. this book? This very it's a very bizarre book. Let, I think mm. we need to get that out there right at the start. Yeah, it's um, it's mysterious. Yeah, <laughs> mysterious. Yeah, and yeah, and. Uh, so people have been sort of curious to know, really, uh, mm. how do we decipher these sorts of things, these these the characters and the imagery and the things within the book, and uh, and that's what we want to try and do. I'm, I'm guessing in this first episode, Paul, you're not going to dive straight in to tell us what the mark of the beast really is, but we'll, we won't get there today. <laughs> no, <laughs> Build, building a bit of a, a framework, a, a foundation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think there there is a bit of an, an appeal to that sort of mis- mystery, and you you use the word decipher. Yeah. You know, there's there's something appealing about you know looking at something and think I've I've got to find the code that unlocks the meaning of this and uh, it's full of symbols that uh, once I've got the special key the insight to uh, to unlock it then I will be able to see something that very few other people can see mm. and that's a really appealing thing um, to people um, that kind of comes with a there's a flip side to that which is you know if you've got a particular ideology then you can probably come to the book of revelation and find whatever it is you want to mm. kind of project onto it so you know it's that there are some some difficulties with with how how it's approached yeah yeah people love a good conspiracy theory don't yeah. they or, yeah. yeah there's always yeah. A, there's yeah. something more going on that you, yeah. you can sort of um, call on and and yeah. something as mysterious and 
and difficult to perhaps mm. grasp as the book of Revelation is with all these tra- strange beasts yeah. and plagues and strange things happening. Um, it, yeah, it's very easy to sort of read things into it, I suppose, which we've got to try and not do as well yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. I think what we might end up with is is doing the opposite of that and actually making it much less mysterious okay. and, and actually not really treating it as a decoding exercise. Okay. Um, you know, we're not going to reveal some some code or some secret key. There's not a sort of a eureka moment that, that we'll, uh, we'll have. Um, we will just, I think, just look at what's there and, and what's always been there and and just see what see what emerges from from looking at the text that's there. Um, there's there's a phrase that keeps popping up in particularly the first few chapters of, of Revelation uh, when the letters to the, the seven churches, for example. There's this phrase: "He that has an ear, let him hear." So that's what we're going to try and do. We'll just just hear what it says yeah. and and then kind of be thoughtful about it and and be responsible about about what we hear. Yeah, good. Okay. And most of us have ears, um, so we can. But we, we can hear. We, we've got the text. Mm. We can read it. We, we can we can try and hear to it. Hear it. So yeah, okay. So what yeah. what does it mean then to treating it responsibly? Then how what in what sort of way? Yeah, and, and this there's there's uh, there's a real danger that this just sounds a bit glib. But I, what I think that means is is reading it, hearing it. After all, when it was first mm-hmm. communicated to people, it would have been read aloud to yeah. uh, to audiences, yeah. uh, and they would have heard it. So 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 what I th- I think it means is is hearing it with the rest of the Bible story in mind and and putting it in its place in in that in that story okay. that kind of means we need to have a pretty good handle on what that story is mm-hmm. um, and, and we'll, we'll obviously draw elements of that yeah. out. Well, you've got a whole year's uh, set of podcasts to go yeah. back to, to to listen to. I mean, yeah. not that we've yeah. we've covered everything, but at all. But there's a yeah, there's a good 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 lot yeah. of things that we we touch on that try to build a picture of what yeah. that story is. Yeah, yeah, but you know, the overarching story of you know humanity, its need for redemption, and Jesus Christ um, and his death and resurrection. So yeah, okay. I, I think it also means applying what, um, what I've basically just made up, what I would call the three T's, uh, okay. which is reading it, you know, with the right, bearing in mind the type of writing that it is, the time that it's set in, and the target audience. Okay. Which is, I don't know, I guess three T's is quite a good yeah. um, so again, rule of thumb to apply yeah. Three T's. So the, the type of writing. Type of writing, yeah. The time it was written, so the sort type, of context time. in history yeah. in history that it's written, and the target audience. Who's okay. it who's it written to? Good. Who's okay. who's hearing it? I'll try and remember those for the, for the first next time. episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three T's. And, uh, yes. Hold hold me to those. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I you know, we we're going to I think probably do six uh, yeah. podcast episodes on on this. So Let's be realistic. We're not going to cover all the details. No. But I, I would hope we'd get to the point where we've got a framework that you know people can hmm. understand and see the overall structure and leave you with that to think about and build on. Um, I guess the other key thing I'd say is that in advance is I'm not going to be talking about lots of history. Okay. And you don't need to know lots of history in the first place um, and you don't need to remember lots of history um, yeah. as, as we go through this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a key thing to remember. Um, there's at least at least one view we're going to, I think we're going to come on to think about this aren't we mm. at least one view of how to read the book of Revelation that presumes that you ought to know a lot of history to try and sort of unravel it and understand it so okay so that's interesting we'll come on to that in a second just before we do one aim that I've got through this and I'm going to try and mm. <laughs> try and do this as we go through 
um, is to cut out jargon <laughs> as much as possible. Because, <laughs> you know, it's very much a, an, a thing where we're sort of uh, doing any kind of Bible study, Bible yeah. interpretation, talking about the Bible, Christianity or anything like that. that we, we all love a bit of jargon, don't we? And yeah. it, it builds up in, in communities of faith. And so probably particularly so when you're dealing with this this sort of confusing and complicated book at the end of scripture whether or not it actually is that it's kind of made to be that and we'll try and work out yeah. work it out won't we but, but yeah jargon i'll be the jargon please <laughs> okay and I, and I will use jargon and i'm sure you'll um good me up on okay that and, yeah, and we'll try and explain it excellent cool. okay right so so you've said okay you, you said that we you don't need to know any history um but what if we've already talked about the Bible story, you know, where, where we are in the, yeah. in the place of the Bible story, that's time, isn't it, as well? We need to think back to the particular point in time. So, there's a little bit of history there, isn't there, I suppose? Yeah. Um, so, you're not thinking about lots of little details of extraneous bits of history, that's your point. But um, but it is important with every part of Scripture to have a little bit of understanding of, of when it was written um, and what yeah. was going on at that particular point in time. So, so let's, and I think we can we can go into the opening paragraphs of okay. uh, of the book of Revelation, and uh, and just start with the opening and see what see what sure. it is is kind of telling us about uh, the the yeah. where we are in the Bible story, if you yeah. like. So it appears so, right at the end of the Bible, so yeah. it kind of suggests where we are. <laughs> so but, the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. so, Good. At the end of the beginning, or the beginning of the end, or yeah. something. Shall I read? The, what you yeah, want to read? maybe maybe um, the first three verses. Okay, all right. So Revelation chapter one and the first three verses: the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Okay. Okay. So so Im- immediately we've got. A, um, a sort of a chain of communication mm. uh, from from God to Jesus to an angel to John, um, and so it immediately suggests that that Jesus is not present on earth. So after his resurrection and ascension is where it where it places it. Um, it talks about John as bearing witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Um, and you know what what is it? What is he bearing witness to? In in other places, in the first letter of John, he talks about. Um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest um, and and which was made manifest to us. So it's it, he's talking about him seeing the resurrected Jesus. So it's after after the resurrection. Okay. Um, and, and then actually, if we if we come on to, I mean, we'll say something later about verse three, because I think that's a that's a really key verse mm-hmm. for us as to what we do with the book of Revelation. And then so then verse four, he says, John to the seven churches that are are in Asia. So we've got we've got churches established in Asia, which is present day Turkey. Um, so so it's really putting us right at the end of the apostolic era, if you like the, the time of the apostles. It's quite possible that not many of the apostles uh, were still alive at this point. 
Mm, okay. Um, and so we're sort of at this um, this changeover point, this transition point mm. um, from the time of the apostles, those that were with Jesus during his life and his death and resurrection, saw all of that, to kind of moving on to the next generation that are going to take these churches into into the future. Mm, okay. So it does feel like we're at the end, doesn't it? Or the... You know, yeah, the conclusion of the, or, or, the time period yeah. that that covers, or, or certainly in, in a transition into something else. Yeah, um, that, yeah, and a preparation for that something else, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. So um, just so a- Asia, you, you talked about Asia. These seven churches, of course. Yeah. Asia today refers to that huge continent, but it's a yeah. it's a Roman province at, back in that. Time, yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Asia is, Minor. Yeah. Asia. Yeah. Yeah. That that kind of yeah. So it's pretty much Turkey, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, so these seven churches are, well, we, they, they come up later, don't they, in the next couple, yeah. two or three chapters. Um, and they, um, so they would have been the ones who would have heard it read aloud. That, that's yeah. in those first three verses. Yeah. Um, it, it says that, doesn't it? And we've already yeah, made so, reference to that about listening. Those who have ears, they should hear. So, so yeah, real people were listening to this for the first time yeah. in seven different places. So, yeah, so there's, cool. yeah, yeah. But, so first, yeah, first three was. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this yep. prophecy. Uh, and then John, to the seven churches that are yeah. in Asia. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. So I, it feels so, like bearing that in mind all the way through reading it is going to be helpful and yeah. to, to understand this. Yeah. Yeah. Think, yeah. think about what, what they would have heard, what, what triggers in the, yeah. in their thinking would be um, be made by, by what they heard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So just skipping forward to the next paragraph, which sort of begins at verse nine, and it says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. So, so for some reason, John, the writer of this was exiled to this island of Patmos in the, uh, the Aegean Sea. Um, so there's, you know, there are, there are consequences for witnessing to Jesus. Um, and uh, that, again, sort of fits quite well with the uh, sort of end of the first century Roman Empire yeah. period, um, so with the imperial cult in, in full swing. Yeah. So so consequences for publicly declaring that you're a Jesus follower, effectively. Is that yeah. what you, yeah. 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 So witnessing yes. to yeah. Jesus, meaning, That's, well, yeah. I'm a Christian, basically. Yeah. So yeah. and that that didn't go down well. Yeah, and and it's it, he's he's that he's a um he's a brother and a partner in the tribulation and the patient endurance. So they're they're waiting. Okay. These believing communities are waiting for something. Yeah, and you know, other, yeah. yeah, other parts of the um the New Testament you know, talk about the the return of, of Jesus, the reappearance sure. of of Jesus. Yeah, okay. But they're but they're waiting, yeah. and, and the apostle the apostles are, are dying out, and they're still waiting. Yeah, I and see. and the churches are still there, and and. But, so we're building, you know, perhaps we thought these communities were just going to be there for a little while and then Jesus I would see. reappear, yeah. but he's still not here. And so what's this church for then? Yeah. What What's its role in, in the world? Yeah. Um, what is church building for yeah. in a world that's still waiting for, mm, for good. Jesus? Okay, yeah. So that really paints the picture of what's happening to these communities mm. and, and indeed John himself. So do, do we know yeah. anything more about John, who who's John, the author? It, well, that's it's interesting, isn't it? It just says it's servant John. So whoever this is written to, it says I John yeah. to the seven churches. Um, they would have known him. I John, your brother. They they knew who he was. Hmm. There's no need for any further explanation. Okay. Um. So that that's probably about all we can say with absolute certainty about <laughs> about John that he was known to the churches in in Ephesus uh, and uh, in uh, in Asia yep. rather yep. in the um in the towards the end of the first century. Um. It's, it it doesn't. I don't think it really matters. Mm, there are a okay. few 
debate about which John. There's a John the Elder that um, that uh, Papias mentions. I'm not sure it matters no. that much. Okay. Uh, which Presumably, one we land on? But. Yeah. Normally, normally tradition is that it's the author of the fourth gospel as well. It's the Apostle John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that's and that is there's a reasonable, not unanimous, yeah, because there never is, but there's a reasonable consensus okay. amongst um, commentaries and scholars that it. Yeah. There's no reason to doubt that it it would be it wouldn't be that Apostle John. Yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah. you know, take that as it may. Um, whoever he is, he's exiled. He's exiled because he's a Christian and he's publicly declared mm. that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and to him himself and everyone else are are ex- expecting something, they're waiting for mm. Jesus, and and they're in this period of pretty bad tribulation, I suppose, um, persecution, and um, yeah, okay, good. So, um, what about when we? I feel so we've we're sort of talking the latter half of the first century, aren't we? You've already yeah. sort of alluded to that. Whereabouts can we? Yeah, we've, we've, more? we've we've pretty much pinpointed it already. There's there's I guess there's two views because there's a key event that happens around AD seventy. Yeah. Um, um, so seventy years um, after more or less the birth of Jesus, um, that which is the siege of Jerusalem and the, the burning of the temple with mm. uh, by the by the Roman armies, um, which which essentially um, overturned the, the the Jewish religious system at the yeah. time. So 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 the views about the date of the Book of Revelation tend to put it either. Before that, and therefore the book is about that event, kind of I see. Spe- looking for looking to that event, um, or it's after that event and and is and is about things beyond the first century. Hmm. So uh, it's it's a pretty clear majority that put it in the time of the emperor Domitian, okay, um, which is towards the end of the first century, but eighty one to ninety six A.D. Uh, the emperor Domitian um, was uh, was in charge, okay. um, and so. You know, we'll, I see no reason why we don't we don't go with that. It, it does fit really well with some of the content of the book, as we'll see uh, when we start to get into the imperial cult. Um, so in Ephesus, for example, there was this huge statue yeah. of of Domitian that was on a raised bit of ground that overlooked all of the other public spaces, the agora and and the other public spaces of the city. This mm. I, I don't know, ten meter high statue of the emperor Domitian, um, and uh, and he thought it'd be great if everyone worshipped him, mm, okay. uh, which is a bit of a problem. For, yeah. for Christians. Yeah, so you can see why so. witnessing to Jesus, you might mm. end up in exile or, or even yeah. worse, lose yeah. your life, yeah. which, yeah, yeah, was happening. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. So, so we've got a bit of feel for the time period. What? Let's think about what type of book we're dealing with. So, so we've done T for time. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> T for time. Is that right? Do we need to do next? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I can't remember. The type the of writing. One. What's the third yeah, one? The target audience. Oh, which I think target, we kind of done yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done a bit of that. Yeah. 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 But when it, I, I only have one T, and it's a cup of tea. I can't. <laughs> I can't think of three others. <laughs> Yeah. And being English, that's very important. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Type. Type of writing then. Genre. Bit of jargon. Yeah. So, and this is, and there's quite a few options here. I think. Mm. Um, there's there's a few candidates. Um, so, in in the Greek, the word that is translated revelation is apocalypsos. So, okay. Um, <clears throat> which is 
probably a terrible pronunciation. Uh, apologies to Greek scholars who may be listening. So that's the opening word, the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. But there is this genre of literature that scholars have, have yeah. labelled as apocalyptic literature. Yeah, which is definitely which, into jargon. So yeah, let's, which we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll explain what that is. But it's also, it also it starts like a letter as well. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't it? You know, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him. And that, you know, that's just look back at the letters of Paul and, and, and that's how they, yeah. how they start. Yeah. I, Paul, and blah, blah, blah. Grace and peace to you. Yeah. And it, 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 so it sounds it like a letter. Like does it end like yeah. a letter as well? I'm just flicking. Well, forward. it's. It, it, it's. Oh, it does. Sort of, yeah. yes. It, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Yeah. 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 And, that and, feels and actually, in verse 9, it says, I, John, your brother and partner. We read that. And then right at the end, it sort of closes off with the epilogue in chapter 22, verse 8. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things. So mm. it's framed as a letter. Um, and actually, I think it's quite interesting that. The letter features are right at the beginning there and right at the end of chapter 22. Mm. So the whole thing is a letter. Mm. Uh, we've obviously got within the letter references to letters to individual churches in chapters 2 and 3. Yeah. But I think we can conclude that the whole thing is a letter yeah. as well. So those individual messages to the churches are kind of paragraphs within a letter. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, right, this one's for Ephesus. You know, there's yeah. eight paragraphs. Yeah. Or, yeah. There's, you know, there's, a, there's a bit here for you. Yeah. 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 All right. So, okay. so so we've got a letter. We've got features of a letter. And then in verse three, which we've read twice already, <laughs> um, said it was a key verse. So blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Okay. So it calls itself a prophecy. Mm -hmm. And we're very familiar with what, you know, we've got prophecies, books of prophecy, prophetic writings in, mm. in the Old Testament. That's that's a familiar genre. And actually, it starts. So you notice those first three verses talk about John in the third person. So you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Yeah. And then you get verse four. Now it's the voice of John, John to the seven churches. Mm. And that's a familiar formula, if you like, from the, the Old Testament prophets. Yeah. You know, usually, it'll yeah. often be a word at the beginning, yeah. a little prologue that is, you know, the words of Isaiah, the son of Amos, of during the days of these kings, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then it's, and the word of the Lord came to me and said, blah, blah, and, blah. Yeah. And, and it's the voice of the prophet. So this is John very much um, putting himself into the line of the prophets and saying, this is this is a prophecy. I'm, I'm building on the, the prophets of old, yeah. prophets of Israel. Um, and there's a, there's a huge number of references back to those prophets in, in all yeah. sorts of different okay. ways. Yeah. So it feels like understanding how to read a prophecy yeah. is going to yeah. feature quite heavily. Yes. You know, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, which we need to <laughs> think through. Yeah, so so we've, but this let's go back to this apocalyptic yeah, literature yeah, right, thing that, that, that we yeah. that we mentioned. So um, it, it's a genre that you know scholars have put a label on this type of literature that sort of developed between the the Old Testament and the New Testament eras. So from about 400 BC to, to the time of Christ. And there, there are certain key features of this type of literature that kind of marks it out as apocalyptic literature. And it's essentially, it's, it's, it's often very symbolic, using lots of animals to represent things and, uh, and lots of you know, visions of, of strange uh, and weird and wonderful things uh, happening, and th but they're representative. It's symbolic language. But the, the storyline, if you like, of apocalyptic literature is often the, the present day is, is evil, it's corrupt, the people of God are corrupt, and there's a calamity that is about to occur. Okay. And at that point, God is going to break into the world Mm -hmm. And and remove the corruption and save the remnant that have kept themselves 
pure and, and they will take things forward from there. And and that's the that's the style of, of apocalyptic and the features of apocalyptic mm-hmm. literature. Um they're often pseudonymous. How do you say that? Pseudonymous. Pseudonymous. Um written, in written a false name. Written under an, another name. And it, yeah. and it's usually quite clear that it's it's yeah. written under a false name because it's a character from the, the Old Testament, ago. you know, like yeah. The Book of Enoch would be one of those. the Book of Enoch is an yeah. example, or the Testament yeah. of Moses, or something something like uh, that. And when we look at Revelation, we we don't really find those no. characteristics fitting very well. You know, first first of all, there's no reason to think that the writer is pretending to be John. Hmm. Um, you know, John, there's there's just no reason to. To think that so it's not written in a false name and also from the, these opening verses so let's just have, have a look at verse four and five so john to the seven churches that are in asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come which is a, an old testament reference and from the seven spirits which is another old testament reference who are before his throne and from jesus the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the rulers of the kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his god and father so the context of this is God has already broken into the world mm. and and done something, and it's Jesus. Um, it's the it's the Messiah. It's the it's the Son of God. Okay. Um, and the the initiation of the kingdom has has already happened. So whereas this apocalyptic literature is all that's that's still God hasn't yet broken in mm. to the world. Mm. So the so the, the, that apocalyptic literature doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Okay. What what Revelation is. So where does that leave us? So so uh, so it doesn't quite fit. Well, it has some similarities in the the parts mm. of the book, doesn't it? I think that's what is fair, isn't it? So you get yeah. symbols, or, or I think you get yeah. imagery that yeah. that is quite bizarre, quite you know mm. um, vibrant, and yeah, which really does yeah it does have um, similarities with some of that yeah. apocalyptic literature. So, so I. I would sort of, you know, in answer to the question, what genre is it? Well, I'd, I'd kind of merge all those three options into one and say it's a letter yeah. which conveys a prophetic message. Yeah. And by prophetic, um, if you've listened to some of our previous that's right. podcasts, you'll know that's not just about prediction. That's about yeah. um, you know, seeing something, hearing something that, that makes you makes you sit up and think about the way you view the world and the way you yeah. act in it. Yeah, a word um, from, from God to see God's yeah. perspective on what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a much better explanation. <laughs> And so it's a letter containing a prophetic message of that nature, but using symbolic and apocalyptic style language yeah. and, Im- and imagery in parts of the letter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Often drawn from the Old Testament. Yeah. All right. So it's a bit of bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So you got three <laughs> three T's within the one of the T's, or three types. Three, three types within three types. the one. Three types of. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, it's helpful to, to just appreciate, you know, the fact that it's a letter wrap, wrapped around all of this, it's a letter. Yeah. The fact that it's a letter means it's written to an audience. Yeah. So we can think of it as a communication to seven churches in Asia and beyond, presumably. What what did they hear? What, yeah. What, did, what entered their thoughts and their minds and their emotions as they heard this? Yeah. Yeah. As the, the yeah. saying goes, this the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for yes. us. But, um, so, so here, the book of Revelation is a letter that clearly isn't written to you mm. and me to us directly it's written to these seven yeah. churches it that's what it says yeah. so so yeah first stop should be thinking about what what they might have thought yeah. and heard and understood and then from that there's no doubt a prophetic message t- yeah. for us as well so th- okay that's and actually sounds- well just that verse three again <laughs> Okay. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. So that sort of emphasises that by prophecy, it, this isn't just about predicting a series of events that you yeah. can tick off 
when you when you look through your history book it's it's something it's it's going to convey something and hopefully we'll get to this um it's going to convey something that makes you when you put the book down and stop hearing it you turn around and look at the world and you look at it differently yeah and and you think about your place in the world differently yeah yeah. because it's yeah it's it's god's prophetic word that has revealed this to you Good. Okay. So it feels like we've got a way of tackling this, um, which is thinking of these three T's, <laughs> thinking yeah. of the, the the time, the target, and the, the type, which which I think that that forces us to approach it in a certain way. But is that yeah. how people generally approach it? Or you know, there's there's, a, there's other things that to think about, aren't there? You know, what what else? What other options yeah. are on the table, and, and how do we deal with it? Yeah, and it's. I think it's important to again. It's it's partly an expectation management thing. Um, we're not going to put out an explanation or a way of reading this that is going to destroy all other previous interpretations. Oh, um, but it's worth knowing uh, and just explaining a bit about the way that we'll go through this, where that sits in the spectrum of interpretations, yeah. if you like, that that do exist. Y- yeah, because what, you know what you're saying. Presumably, you've just not dreamt this yourself <laughs> and that you know there's there's a correct uh, yeah. good okay um yeah so there's a wide range of different approaches to this book there always has been haven't there effectively mm. well, as from as far back as we can sort of go um and what we'll be sort of presenting is a what you're presenting is a particular way of looking at it but there are different ways as well which yeah. well, i guess we might yeah. be commenting on a little bit and yeah. evaluating to some extent but maybe not fully mm. yeah i mean it's th- there are a huge range of interpretations and, and it, you know so you mentioned 666 at the beginning yep you know that's been interpreted as a, a coded reference to nero caesar mm-hmm. um right through to uh, it's it's referring to barcodes. You know, when you buy your spaghetti and your cornflakes, and and you wave them in front of the uh, yeah. self-scanning thing at the supermarket, the barcode has got three lines on it, uh, which are spaces. Um, they're a little bit fatter, but they they're the same as a six. So every time you scan, you buy something six six six. I, you know, so that's yeah. that's one. I, I didn't know that's one, why the barcode. One. <laughs> no. so, There's actually a bit more to it than I thought. Yeah, yeah. So it's more substantial than you yeah, yeah, than yeah. you perhaps thought. Yeah. And you know, there's there's locusts that appear with faces of men, and and yeah. they, you know, they're right from the Muslim yeah. armies of of bearded men right through to attack helicopters with their whirring blades. And there's so there's there's just you know, I just mentioned those not to say they're ridiculous or they're wrong or they're right, but just there's a huge range of yeah. of things that people have thought of and connected with the different images and, and symbols. Um, there are some sort of we, we can try and categorize some of these ways of interpreting it though and we we are going to get into some jargon okay here we now, go I'm, I'm afraid so I'd, I'd say there's probably two there's two families of of interpretations I guess one one is what you might call um, predictive so th- this very much takes the approach of decoding the symbols. Yeah. And and attributing, you know, that symbol, that image represents this and that moment in history. And the next one represents this and that moment in history. And and it's and it's treating um the book as predictive in that sense. And then there's another family which is which doesn't think about those symbols as specific predictions, but as analogous to types of things. Um mm, okay. I mean this if you know just to, to throw the reference out there because it is is useful in um uh, Michael Gorman's book reading Revelation responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um 
he has a section on this and describes these these different approaches and it's yeah. it's very helpful yeah good um and you know and just just to take an example you know there's the four horsemen of the apocalypse you've probably heard of that um, sure you know the f- the first four seals um a white horse a, a red horse a black horse and then a pale horse a pale, and and they've got different features um so the earliest commentary that we've got on on revelation is from a guy called victorinus in about 300 ad mm-hmm. and he interprets those very generally as well, one's representing invasion, one's representing uh, civil conflict, one's representing famine, and the other's representing death, just very generally. Mm, okay. And and that's the sort of analogous approach. You know, mm-hmm. They're not tying them to specific events, um, but just you know, recognizing what they might represent uh, in any time period. Yeah. And, and then just 300 or 400 years later, the next sort of commentary is uh, Andreas of Caesarea. And he's looking back over history and he's saying, well, actually, I can see a period in which there was war. I can see a period in which there was civil, civil unrest. I can see a period in which there was famine and then a period in which yeah. there was disease and death and pestilence. So he's, and so, dates again so he's starting yeah. to put them, uh, that's you know, switching it into a more predictive. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of see why, because he's coming much further after. Yeah. A few hundred years later, and can look back over over history. Mm. So, so anyway, the so there's that predictive family, and but within that family, you, you've got this sort of historicist or continuous historic um, approach. And originally, those two families of interpretation kind of coexisted alongside each other quite happily, um, really until you get to the Reformation. Okay. So. 1500s onwards, really. And then the the historicist interpretations kind of explode in the Protestant Reformation um, because there's an interpretation that points out um, an interpretation that the the beast, the the mark of the beast, the 666, is pointing to the Pope, this corrupt uh, system, see, whatever yeah. it, Babylon the Great, is pointing to the Pope and the... And, the, and you can yeah. see why that emerges politically... Yeah. At that moment from, in history. From the Reformation period. Yeah. And then you get the Catholic Counter-Reformation. Mm-hmm. And and so they produce two alternative, but still predictive interpretations. You know, And one says, oh, well, actually, this is all referring to the past, to the AD 70 and the Siege of Jerusalem. That's the preterist yeah. um, approach. Um, and then the other third alternative is it's futurist. It's all... Um, a future period, future period of tribulation that is coming um, at around the time, you know, the end of the age, the time of the return yeah. of Jesus or whatever. So you can't look back at history. Um, it's, yeah. yeah, so it's not it's, it's not pointing at, at Rome yeah. or or anything specific. It's it's all it's all done or it's all still in the future. Yeah. And actually, that all still in the future um, futurist view has seen a bit of a modern revival. You might have heard of the Left Behind sure, series yeah. by Al Lindsay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling that that's probably. I, I don't really know. If it is, but generally the the view held by many sort of Christian, maybe evangelical Christian um, communities, yeah, possibly generally the one that, yeah, that it's a future tribulation. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So, so there's some jargon. The jargon there is the futurist and preterist, isn't it? That's what. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose you've you've and historicist, which historicist, is historicist, yeah, which the, is the continuous. continuous. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, but all of that is all sort of sitting within the predictive element. Yeah, yeah. But then alongside that, you've, or as an alternative, yeah. you've got the more of the analogy, taking it as an analogy, I suppose. Yeah. So is that yeah. where where you'll well, be taking us? Or? Yeah, I don't know. Which one do you fancy? Really? <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's as we may have hinted already, 
if if we're going to approach it as treating it as something um, directed at a target audience, those seven churches in in Asia and and at that time, um, that, you know, that's we're we're likely to end up with more of the analogous type of yeah. interpretation and and view of it, simply because whatever they understood when they heard this, it wasn't connected with the history of the next two thousand years because they had no idea, had no view mm. of that. And they were still expected to keep it. Yeah. That was that, is that is yeah. the first three? I don't know how many yeah. times. Yeah, it's first three again. <laughs> yeah. So they were going to yeah. hear it and yeah. keep it, you know, whatever. Yeah. They've got to, yeah. yeah, so it's got, to, it's got to mean something substantial mm. to their daily lives there and then, mm. um, yeah. which which then means, I think, as you're sort of saying, it, it can quite easily become something that means, means something to us for our daily lives. Mm. That's... Yeah, that's what I think. Um, hopefully, yeah. we're going to so, get to. So, so I think, yeah, what we'll what we'll try and do is, yeah, is is hear it through the ears of that first century audience. Um, try and get to what they would have heard and and understood and felt about it. And actually, I think as we do that, there, I think there are some really powerful messages that that come through, which, which actually do help you to do what verse three says to to, to not just hear it, but to keep it. it hmm. There are calls to do something, to do, okay. to do some things um, as well. So hopefully we'll get that framework and then uh, yeah, good. We'll build on it. Yeah, but, and the, the call to action is very much the prophetic purpose anyway, mm. isn't it? You know, thinking yeah. back to, to all the Old Testament prophets, mm. they were prophesying to get people to, to do something or to yeah. live a certain way or stop behavior in one way or another. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay, good. So uh, what are we going to do next then? So, yeah, so with that introduction, I, mm. I think the next, the next one that we'll do on this, I really want to focus on how the 22 chapters are structured. Yeah, um, okay. Because I think this... When when I started the the preparation and study for this, it that's that's the thing that really makes it fit together and make sense. It really was. I mean, I know I said there wouldn't be a key that unlocks it, but you're going to give one anyway. <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, that. I for me, that's what did turn the light bulb on. Is ah right now I understand what this. Yeah. Why this is the way it is, and so, uh, and, so what? Uh, yeah. So and paying attention to the structure, so the flow of the book. Yeah. Is the key. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a key that, oh, I happen to know something that happened in a particular point in time that yeah. unlocks this symbol. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 So it's like any part of the Bible, isn't it? Sit down and carefully read it and sort of yeah. uh, pick up on the flow of the Bible, yeah. of the, the passage. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it's there are certain key phrases that yeah. that keep popping up. And that there's actually one in, in verse 10 of chapter 1. Yeah. So... It says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me the voice like a trumpet. Okay. And so it, so it all starts. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I was in the spirit. That's a phrase that yeah. appears three or four times in, and, and it's sort of a marker of the beginning yeah. of, of a section. Okay. And, and if you think of when you're hearing it, those are the kind of things that you pick up. Yeah, just repeated phrases yeah. that you think, okay, I'm I'm at the beginning of a of a new train of thought now. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, just just hearing it, you don't get the full design and complexity of this of this book, but you do pick up the framework. Yeah, I think. yeah, okay, um, yeah. And I suppose they would have read it aloud more than once, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's certainly a yeah a book that you think, yeah, I didn't quite didn't quite get that. I think yeah. I'll yeah go back to it and and hear it again. Yeah, can I? I, I think because we've we've not. I mean, it's been really helpful, this introductory sort of setting what we're trying to do. Um, we've not di managed to sort of dive into much of the text, but I think it'd be really good. I, do, 
just read a few verses there from that verse 10, just to get a feel for what type of book we're dealing with. I'll carry on reading, I'll just read and get a feel for it. Okay, yeah, so, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. That's pretty cool, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, that's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, immediately you've you've got this description of this weird figure. He's got white hair like snow, but his eyes are flames of fire, and it's just bizarre yeah and but it's actually it's an image that comes straight out of daniel yeah daniel chapter 10 yeah, so yeah. It, it immediately is picking up on oh that's that's from an old testament prophet yeah, yeah. and and there's so much of that yeah and and, the, and there's yeah yeah and i can hear just in that little section as well i can hear um parts later chapters of revelation coming through like the sharp two-edged sword from the mouth yeah. of this person so that that's an image that crops up later so i suppose yeah like you were saying things that people would have heard mm. and, and twigged and realized that oh this is all coming together i'm yeah. i'm catching on with what this is about so yeah. And, yeah and there's another little feature in that which comes up and i think it's a really key theme of, of the book, which is so i heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet so this happened several times where, see, where yeah. john yeah. hears something or hears a description of something but doesn't see it and then verse 12 i turned and and he sees it but what he sees is something unexpected i see yeah compared with what yeah yeah what 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 he's heard so the, you, you get this several times that Mm. I, I heard this or heard, heard something described and then what he actually sees is defies expectation great okay. and that makes you think oh yeah why does that why is why? that why is yeah. that yeah. Oh, i think we're gonna have to wait till a future episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's enough to to whet yeah. everyone's appetites so thank you paul um lots yeah. lots more to look forward to so um Thank you, everyone. That's going to be good fun. For listening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it is. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'd be great. Um, I suppose now is the time to, uh, to to get in touch and ask us if you've got any specific questions about Revelation. Um, um, I mean, we'd, we'd like to hear from you. Anyway, thank you very much to those who do get in touch. It's really great to hear from you. You can um, find us on Facebook. Just search for Bible Feed or you can go to BibleFeed.org. And you can send us a message there. And all of our you know material and everything is online there on our website. So... Thank you very much. Um, Thanks again, Paul, and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Bible Feed podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're always keen to hear what you think, hear your questions or subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey. (music) 